we want to be outcome driven. We're not doing this for anyone's ego. We're not doing this because felt you needed something else to do with your time. We're doing this because we have to achieve the impact. Welcome to the Entrepreneurs for Impact podcast. My name is Chris Wedding. As a former environmental private equity investor, four times founder, climate tech CEO, coach, and professor, I launched this podcast to share the entrepreneurial journey, practical tips, and hard-earned wisdom from CEOs and investors tackling climate change. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. This is the number one way that listeners can learn more about the climate CEOs and investors I interview. All right, let's get started. My guests today are my fellow collaborators at Terraset, the anti-GHG 501c3 that purchases CDR, aka carbon removal, using philanthropic dollars. And uh, yes, that may be a new record for acronyms in an intro for a podcast. We have uh, three collaborators here today. Most importantly, our new CEO, Adam Fraser, is going to talk to us about his path to Terraset, why he chose to uh, to take a leap and come fight this new uh, battle around sucking carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere. Also joined by Alex Ryder, the founder of Terraset and also GP at Moxie Ventures, a seed stage investment firm. And finally, Ergy Sousa, who is a wizard brand strategist, and also a board member here at Terraset. I guess I'm also a host and guest as a fellow co-founder and board member of Terraset as well. In this episode, we talked about why we chose Adam, that is to say, why we did not choose a CDR or climate change expert to scale up Terraset, which gets into his prior role as CEO of a multinational, impact-focused NGO. We cover the types of donors that are supporting Terraset's mission and why they're contributing. That is mostly to build an entirely new and crucial industry, which is the carbon removal industry, which experts suggest needs to grow at something like 70% per year between now and 2050 in order, <clears throat> in order to help us achieve our climate goals. In contrast, most donors are not supporting us to do things like offset their airline uh, travel. Uh, look, that's important for sure, but really our goal is, uh, we hope, uh, bigger and more differentiated to build this brand new industry, to build uh, capacity that doesn't exist yet. We covered how we prioritize which carbon removal suppliers that we purchase from, how that may change over time, likely some exciting announcements uh, this fall. We cover what we hope is not the black and white divide that sometimes shows up in dialogue in our space. That is, are you in favor of engineered carbon removal or are you in favor of nature-based solutions? We believe there's a role for a portfolio approach here for sure, all following the six criteria we've laid out in how we pick carbon removal projects to pre-purchase before they are ready to be delivered to help these startups 
grow to the point, scale to the point, de-risk to a point that when government support is ready at scale to purchase carbon removals, there are companies at that scale to deliver on that kind of volume. Anyway, hope you enjoy it, and please give Adam and Terraset a shout-out on LinkedIn, Slack, or Twitter by sharing this podcast with your people. Now, before we get into the podcast, where there are somehow four of us getting, getting a word in, a brief word from our sponsor. Just kidding. We don't do sponsors. But seriously, if you're motivated by the mission we have at Terraset, you can go to Terraset climate.org. That is T-E-R-R-A-S-E-T climate.org. And whether you're an individual and you want to contribute five or 20 bucks towards building this new sector, which the IPCC from the United Nations says has to exist at massive scale to remove billions of tons per year by 2050. Or if you're a foundation, family office, other uh, corporate player who wants to play a bigger role here, we'd be delighted to talk to either uh, type of of supporter for this important mission. All right. Enjoy, y'all. All right. Special episode today. A party, if you will. A party and take two with new party goers. So, Adam Frazier, welcome to, well, I mean, look, welcome to the podcast. I guess welcome to our listeners to Terraset as our as our new CEO. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And dot, dot, dot. Now, you know, I'm also going to introduce, of course, Alex Reddard, who you all have heard before when we first talked about the great things coming for uh, Terraset. And I was going to say, be sure you remember Adam's voice to not confuse Adam and Alex. So Alex, don't do a British impersonation right now, okay? That would be terrible, and I will not do that. Though I have audio of myself as a five-year-old, because I lived in London when I was five, with a British accent. Oh, it is, it is timed out, and it's not going to happen again today. Okay, okay. So this is not like, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Alex Redder, uh, GP at Moxie Ventures, who also can do an English accent. Yeah. I'd have to like transcribe the tape from an actual tape or something in three. Not transcribe. Okay. I don't know what the verb is. Not, not that I'm trying to be just like you guys, but sometimes, I've never said this out loud on a, on a podcast for sure, sometimes I have dreams where I have this wonderful British accent. Which I won't do because I'm not I'm not dreaming, of course. But anyway, it's a thing. It's a thing. All right. So why are we here? We we could be here just to pretend we're having our normal uh, weekly meeting. Uh, our our fourth important team member, Ergy, is also here. We decided uh, that having four people talk all the time on the show might be a touch confusing. Although Alex was highly confident, her voice would not sound like our voices. Ergy, quick, quick hello for the listeners. Hello, listeners. Man, we, that is just what we need. All right. <laughs> okay, so we will not start this pod about Terraset discussing Ergy's awesome surfing accident, which she's fine and, and totally recovered. Adam, so maybe you could start off here. What made you decide to leave a pretty sweet job uh, as CEO of a multinational impact-focused 
NGO to say, I think it's time to join these three knuckleheads uh, <laughs> and 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 solve help solve uh, uh, carbon removal from the atmosphere. It's a great question. You know, I like knuckleheads. I think the, the you're right though. I wasn't out there looking for a job. I was in what what I would still consider kind of a, a dream job, an impactful role in the world of sport, working with the world's leading athletes and, and changing lives. And, and that's so powerful. And everyone listening to this should be helping us address climate change and carbon removal. But if anyone believes in the power of sports, I'll happily have that conversation with them as well. But when I when I saw what, what you were all building with TerraSat, I was hooked very quickly. I think probably for for three reasons. Number one, I like building things more than I like running them. In terms of my day to day, the chance to to take something and build it to scale is is always really exciting. This is the chance to build something new. I like to work with with good people. We passed the test. Non knuckleheads. You did. You did pass the test. Um, you know, life is too short not to. I think that's a really important thing to remember in any aspect of business. So a lot of the time you can choose who you work with as partners, as colleagues, and, and choosing good people is a good role. And and then most importantly, the mission. Anyone listening to this is already likely to believe that we as a, a sector and society have a huge job to do tackling the climate crisis. We as Terra said, believe carbon removal is an absolutely critical part of that. And, and we think we have a key role to play in in helping CDR scale so that we all continue to have a functioning planet and society. I think it's a real privilege to be able to go and tackle big issues, and that's something I wanted to jump into. So for folks listening, I think everyone listening gets the acronym CDR, which you'll hear about 37 times today. So carbon dioxide uh, removal, not to be confused, although quite confusing, with carbon capture, right? CDR meaning we're we're taking usually carbon dioxide, maybe other greenhouse gases, out of the atmosphere that we've we've dumped there in uh, centuries past. Carbon capture, of course, being just capturing it at say the the top of a smokestack, uh, let's say. Adam, tying this to this topic to this morning, you mentioned that uh, there is the. The kind of rain event you haven't seen in a long time in New York City, where you live, uh, flooding at your your children's school, and by the way, potential bonus to our our recording here, maybe your children come making papa noises during the <laughs> during the recording. So it, it's it is like literally kind of in your backyard, if you will. It's I mean it's in my backyard. It's in everyone's backyard. Funnily enough, when we were when we were talking this summer, I can't remember the exact timings of, of where we were and, and figuring things out, but it was when New York was really suffering from the wildfire smoke from, from Canada. So, uh, you know, climate change is not something far away. It's not something happening to other people. It, absolutely, we see the impacts is greater in some places than others, but like, this is a real thing for all of us. You know, I think we've all heard this, uh, I want to say, William Gibson quote, but maybe correct me, the, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed, which I think is so often linked to, oh, it's just some sort of tech innovation, et cetera. Uh, but I think the way you phrased it fits pretty well with with climate change as well. It's here, not evenly distributed or not fairly distributed uh, for sure. 
Alex, let's go to you. Can you channel your inner Ergy and Chris and ex- explain why we chose to go after a CEO who, look, doesn't come from the CDR space? I will try to channel my inner Ergy and Chris. I mean, the main reason, if you think about the scale of what we're trying to do, we need to build a massive organization, not by headcount, but by impact in terms of how much capital we can put towards purchasing carbon removal so that we create an industry that's on the order of 5,000 gigatons a year by 2015, which is about 70% annual growth between now and then. To do that, you need to be great at fundraising. You need to know how to run an organization. You need to understand the most impactful things you could do, measure them, how to run a learning organization and improve. Those skills are more important to us than bringing more climate expertise. We have, uh, well, all of us here are to climate. I wouldn't say any of us are climate experts, but we are ramping up. We have, we're able to talk to scientific advisors when we have questions about projects. And, you know, the climate crisis being what it is and being so much worse, so much sooner than everyone thought, many people are ramping up on climate and that's okay. But we really need a seasoned person who has built, I mean, what Adam has done at Laureus and growing that to the size that he did from the early days, that's what we need to do. And then even more. So that's what we're so excited about. And then, you know, personally, when I hire people, I always want to hire people that I can learn from. And it is just very clear talking to Adam about what he's done and what what he saw that we could do at TerraSet, I can learn a lot in the process of working with him. And I don't know the first thing about running a nonprofit. So it seems like a good accommodation. Well, and I know one way Adam's been a great teacher is to remind us, those of us who come from more of the investment startup world, we're not making investments. Let's change our verbs here, folks, right? These are not investors, they're donors, donor capital. This is not an investment in a company. Although it it's it relates in terms of of support, it's purchases from these companies. Alex, you you referenced this stat seventy percent annual growth between now and, and twenty fifty to get to where we need to be with with carbon removed from the atmosphere. And I think for folks who were also with me and and lots of others at the SOSV summit earlier, I'll say this week, I'm not sure when this gets recorded, we heard Peter from from Charm talking about a similar number, but maybe put that in context. I think for business owners, like, holy cow, growing 70% per year for the next 25 years is totally insane. But Alex, how how insane is this? What, what has to happen, by the way, but how insane is it? Right. It is a huge hill to climb, but it's not unprecedented. I mean, you look, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but if you look at the rate at which solar panel deployment is scaled. You look at the rate at which processors have gotten more powerful. This is doable, but it's a lot. I mean, so I think roughly there were about 3.4 million tons of CDR purchased in the first half of 2022. That compared to 20, uh, sorry, first half of 2023, that compared to 2022 is only about a sixth of that. So the purchasing is ramping up really quickly. We're still pretty supply limited in a lot of cases. And obviously the two things are connected. So induce, you can induce more supply by increasing demand. But, you know, a high level way to think about it is it is a very steep hill to climb, but it's not impossible. Humans have done, there have been other things that have grown this quickly before, but 
you can argue we've wasted a lot of time and sat around and we should have acted sooner. What's that old thing about the best time to, to start on climate change was 30 years ago and the second best time is today? That's basically where we are. True. Yep. Adam, we've referenced your your prior role uh, building Lorius with, uh, with a great team. Maybe tell us more about Lorius and how what you've done there relates to what you will build here at Terrasat. Great question. Laureus is a, an incredible organization that uses the power of sport to drive social impact. So it's not about kids kicking a ball or kids running. It's about employability outcomes, education outcomes, gender equity, racial equity, inclusion, very clear documented outcomes tracking to the goal sets, part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and really understanding impact on communities and understanding how we can create opportunities for people and and make the world a fairer and better place to live in. And a huge amount of that, including raising the money to do that work, tracks exactly to what we want to achieve at TerraSet. You know, we we want to be outcome driven. We're not doing this for anyone's ego. We're not doing this because felt you needed something else to do with your time. We're doing this because we have to achieve the impact. And I think having seen success at Laureus when we really focused in on what we were trying to achieve and what the impact was and working back from there is is something that I would love to to bring to what we're doing. All right. So we've uh, we've danced around it a little bit. I think some list hopefully many listeners will already know what TerraSet does, why this is, I think, why this is needed in the CDR marketplace. But Adam, maybe just uh, kind of go 10,000 feet. What is TerraSet? Why is it unique? Why is it needed out there in the carbon removal space? TerraSet is a 501c3, a charity for your non-US listeners, um, as this as this hopefully becomes more international, uh, a nonprofit that uses philanthropic capital to catalyze the carbon removal industry. So we raise money from individuals, foundations, businesses, family offices. We use that money to purchase permanent high-quality carbon removal from innovative companies doing that work. We do that because we want to remove tons of CO2 from the atmosphere right now. But just as important is that getting that funding to organizations and to projects lets them scale so that they ultimately can remove more. Our purchase is intended to be catalytic. It is something that helps drive financing in other ways. It is something that allows them to to plan and grow. I think that part of the appeal to donors, because other people are, are also looking to drive money to this space, but part of the appeal to to donors from our perspective is because we're a 501c3, donations to terrorists are, are tax deductible. So this is not about getting credits. It's not about offsets. It's not about anything in those terms. It is about donating because you want to tackle this key issue philanthropically. And we're one of the, the very few ways to do that. And I guess in terms of how that's developing from the the, the last time that you guys spoke on this podcast is that we are out there doing it now. We have people like like Grantham, Conscience, Conscience Bay as strategic backers, 
We have purchased hundreds of tons of, of CO2 removal. We are purchasing more. We have new suppliers kind of lined up as we speak. And actually, really excitingly, because it proves the model to an extent, we have people finding us. You know, my favorite thing that happens any week is when someone comes to us completely unprompted, unsolicited. They've they've seen us in an article because they were researching how they could get involved in this. Um, and that's very exciting because it suggests that, I guess, two things. One, that our message is getting out there. And two, that people are looking for this solution. And that's how Terraset was formed, was, was, was people looking for a solution, not finding one and creating it. So hopefully we provide a path for other people to um, to not have to do that and to to be able to make a difference. Yeah, I think y- yes to all that. And I know something else we feel is was needed is to make it easier for folks to to A, to have access to purchase. Many of these, these uh, high promise, high growth startups can't field every potential individual or even family office who wants to make a, contrib- a purchase of their of their removal. So I think part of it's access. I think part of it's knowing what's good versus what's bad. And I think a message we try to send is, look, we're, we're not saying we're the best climate scientists to pick the best CDRs in the world. We are saying, look, we got our six criteria and we look for others, uh, third parties who would provide the confidence in the quality of these, of these removals. And that we we make it easier for donors, again, be it you know an individual or family office foundation, to purchase a portfolio versus just one uh, supplier of of carbon removals. I wonder, um, Alex, what else would you add to the to the why behind this? I mean, you, you know, you were you were the one that reached out, uh, thankfully, to our friend Allison over at Bullion. And so, like, I got this idea. Maybe it's crazy. Here's why I think we need this. Maybe kind of go back to that that origin of why you realized there was this need, really before CDR was, thankfully, as as uh, top of mind as it is in the space. Well, I will say I was sort of surprised that something like this didn't already exist. In these days, my experience with the internet is any idea you have, if you search for it, you figure out some has already had the idea and already done it, which is kind of neat in some sense, but it was very surprising. It was spent a bunch of time looking until we just decided, okay, we're good enough at searching the internet, but we would have found it if this thing didn't exist. But it's pretty simple. I mean, we need to, first of all, drastically cut our emissions, about 40 gigatons a year. That has to come down to, well, ideally zero, but it's probably going to get to closer, something like five, because some of these industries are pretty hard to evade. Also, we need to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, both to make up for what we can't stop emitting and to remove carbon dioxide that's already in the atmosphere. Um, so we need to do that. And in order to do that, we need a bunch of companies that provide that service. So there's venture capital flowing into that. We need a market for that service. There are policies that are being created to create that market. There are voluntary markets. There's other non-regulatory pressure that's created in that market. But then we also need customers. And this question of supply and demand, you basically need both of them to grow very quickly. And in any one instant, maybe there'll be slightly more than supply than demand or slightly more demand than supply. But in terms of purchasing something that you are doing for no reason other than a broader societal benefit, 
And it's an activity that the purchaser gets no personal benefit from. It seemed like a perfect fit for philanthropy and 501c3s. And so we started looking around just to try to purchase some carbon that way. And we were surprised that it that it didn't exist and talked to enough people that we got convinced this could be a meaningful, the size of global philanthropy is large enough that this could be a meaningful pool of capital to improve demand enough to really induce an increase in supply. Yeah, I know one phrase that, that has seemed to resonate with donors is this idea of helping to create a brand new industry which has to exist at massive scale and and does not today. This kind of capacity building, I think, has really resonated with Cotchus Bay, with with Grantham and others, who you're right, are not saying, I flew this many miles, let's go buy offsets. I mean, there there's a place for that. But I think I think here it's no no. Beyond that, it's this this needs to exist at massive scale and and doesn't yet. Maybe Adam, let's go back to you and we've referenced you know, the, the, the kinds of donors, let's say, that have found uh, TerraSet to be a powerful vehicle to date. Maybe just drill a, a layer or two deeper on that. Uh, what, what else do you hear from donors? How do you see kind of the, the ideal donor fit today, maybe in, you know, a year or two? How does that change, do you think? I'll answer the second part first. Um, and not try to be too clever because the answer really is is anyone. If if someone wants to go to terrasetclimate.org and donate twenty dollars, we need that. If someone wants to listen to this and call up and give us a million dollars, we need that too. You know, we need all the money. And a, an ideal donor right now, as you touched on, I would say is someone who believes in removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Yes, but also supporting entrepreneurial growth. That's where we are. That's where the the projects we're supporting are. This is really kind of leading from the front in in creating something that that needs to exist, creating businesses, creating jobs, creating a sector. Uh, I hope in two to three years, we've seen so much growth in the sector that that switches slightly and, and, and the ideal donor might be someone who you know, this is this is either just a really apparent and obvious thing to them because it's it's continuing to develop, or it's someone who's very excited at bringing things to scale and saying like, "You've taken it this far. Here are tens of millions of dollars that we can do more with." You know, it's interesting that we're also seeing some success. When you ask about the uh, the donors we're talking to now, we're seeing success in people who were already interested in this this space but now have the chance to make that interest uh, a philanthropic donation. So even CDR companies themselves meeting individuals who want to support them and, and introducing them to TerraSets. Again, that that demonstrates quite an organic growth in, in interest in this space, and, and we want to turn that into, into action. Something I'm very conscious of is at TerraSet, and, and of course you you both have other hats, but at TerraSet, we are talking all the time about carbon removal, and we talk to other people who talk all the time about CDR, and it's it's important to remember that the majority of people, I would say now, even with it on the front page of the New York Times or Climate Week or, or wherever you might see it, most people day to day do not know anything about CDR, so we can't overcomplicate 
at this point. And we used to get that in my my previous role in the world of sport, where I could give you detailed data on how engagement in a particular activity, a particular sporting activity could rewire neural pathways to help someone cope better with trauma. But like, I would often have to dial that right back for someone who'd never even considered that sport was about more than running around. So it's the same thing here. We need to be able to answer the people who have detailed scientific questions, but we also need to be able to just get more people understanding what CDR is at the most basic level and then finding the thing that, that hooks them into wanting to to do something about this issue and to to be part of building a solution. You know, we, we've all referenced, I believe, this idea that we don't proclaim to have every single expertise around CDR inside these walls. And and to that end, I'll just maybe maybe one more message for for listeners. You know, we we do plan to build some version of a leadership council to help us make sure we're on the right path here. And uh, look, if if you happen to be a person who's bitter at the block or time or two or twenty, in an aspect of picking the right CDR projects, whether that's you know the the finance, the operations, the environmental justice, you know, perspectives, come knock on our door. Uh, come knock on our door, please. You know, Adam, you, you you went one direction, which is most folks don't know what CDR is. That's true. But I think even if we go with inside of the environmental community, there's, you know, some disagreement. And it goes something like this, which, of course, you've heard and some listeners have heard as well. Wait, wait, are, are, we, are we just kind of giving uh, permission to polluters to keep doing uh, what they're doing? Right. Therefore, you you shouldn't. Why should I support uh, CDR if this just allows oil and gas companies and others to keep doing what they've always done? How 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 would you want to respond? Or maybe throw the the, the baton over to Alex. However, you choose to. Alex, I'll I'll go, but feel free to uh, feel free to jump in. I think we at TerraSet are certainly not ever trying to give the impression that everything is fine and CDR will fix everything. Uh, I think Alex said in his answer before, cutting emissions by way above 90% needs to happen. It's absolutely critical to this work. We see the role of CDR as being tackling those emissions that are hard to abate, they're impossible to to eliminate, or uh, really critically, the... um, the greenhouse gases that are already in the atmosphere and and, and whether it's CO2 or others, the the amount of time that some of them spend in the atmosphere is is terrifying. If we stopped all the emissions tomorrow, they would still be up there and they'd still be up there for the long term. So I don't think this is in any way about permission for 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 super polluters to keep polluting at the same level, for, for people to just not change their own behavior at an individual level, at a corporate level. We just think this has to be part of the solution. So I agree with all of that. And that's very clearly laid out in these IPCC reports. We need both emissions to come down and also removal for the reasons that Adam mentioned. But the other reason I don't worry about that is there's no such thing as TerraSet giving permission. So my kids need permission to stay up late because I'm their printer. British Petroleum, the company that makes 
$240 billion a year in revenue does not mean my couldn't care less about what anyone in TerraSet thinks about anything. So we couldn't give permission or not give permission. It just doesn't mean anything. If these companies that have massive historically economic success drilling oil and gas continue to do so, it's because there's a massive economic incentive to do so. And that needs to stop or else we will never get to where we need to get. So that's regulatory, that's voluntary markets not buying these things. That's the invention of other products so that you can get power cheaper. I mean, a lot of, you know, wind and solar is just cheaper now than burning coal. So coal, it's not like coal doesn't have permission to burn anymore. It just doesn't make any economic sense because of the inventions on other carbon-free electricity sources. So because of that, I don't worry about giving them permission because they don't they don't care at all what we think. And there's no concept of permission. But this market needs to exist. We need to do removal. We need also the incentives to run multi hundred billion dollar revenue oil and gas companies go away and some of which i i touched on but that will either exist or not exist and my extreme hope is that that diminishes rapidly for a variety of factors that really has nothing to do with the state of carbon dioxide removal that's why i feel very good just trying to accelerate this as quickly as possible well, I think for all the uh, parents, both on this Zoom call and listening, they love that analogy, Alex, right? Who needs permission? Uh, maybe if I'm, if I rule you, if I'm, if I'm your parent, otherwise not so much. Yeah, Alex, you referenced regulation. I'm going to kind of pull on that thread to think more broadly about policy. You know, one thing we've heard when talking to some potential donors is the comment that, look, I think my dollars are, you know, better spent, higher leverage, et cetera, supporting policy development around carbon removal than buying, and importantly, just for folks to know, you're like pre-purchasing, like years in advance, pre-purchasing carbon removals. Maybe just share some of our thinking or responses around that important perspective. Sure. So our goal is not to pull money from all other valuable climate initiatives the tariff set instead. We absolutely do need policy. We need carbon removal. We need innovations on emissions avoidance, you know, clean concrete, clean steel, electric cars, battery storage, all, you know, base load power. We need all kinds of things. But the fact of the matter is out of the global philanthropic market, 2% of it goes to climate. Of that, another one or 2%, depending on how you count, goes to carbon removal. So this is a zero sum with some other climate activity or some carbon removal activity. This is hopefully, you know, expanding the amount of money that goes to climate removal in general. So if someone doesn't donate to us because we're putting a bunch of money into policy, that's great. That needs to happen as well. We are there's no one thing that is going to solve this problem. We need all of the things. And so for different parts of climate, different people see the benefits of different parts and for personal or organizational reasons want to fund different parts, that's great because we need all of it. Yeah, I think the point about, you know, whatever, two or three percent of all philanthropy going to to climate causes is a good one. Like, look, that's too low given the impact now, well, now, but more importantly in the future of climate on the global economy. Let's move that two or three percent, right, to pick a number. I don't know. Three X, that would be amazing. Anyway, but what is there's plenty more money to go around towards towards climate. I think another part is 
yes, putting money towards policy change is highly catalytic. But if a result of that is, say, the government is going to be purchasing, you know, billions of tons around the world of CDR, you need companies at a scale with low enough tech risk and big enough projects to deliver those tons. And I think one, I guess part of our role there is to ensure these companies have some revenue from our, our, our donors as well as others have some revenue early to get, say, other project financiers to underwrite projects or their venture capitalists to support their growth their growth needs so that they're kind of parallel pathing, if you will, right, to, to meet when the government is ready to write big O checks for purchases. Speaking of purchases, some folks who know about CDR, they know of Frontier. So, you know, a number of the, the biggest most uh, kind of forward-thinking tech companies committing at least a billion, that's that's growing, towards doing similar work, right? Usually pre-purchasing, sometimes on delivery, but, but purchasing these CDRs as well. So some could say, well, gosh, do we, do we need TerraSet? Because here are, here's a billion dollars likely to be more from these large companies pulling in more companies. Adam, uh, what what might you say in response to that question? I think what Frontier are doing is absolutely fantastic, and we are, you know, really happy to be fellow travelers in in doing that. And and the team there is great, and seeing the impact they are having is great. To your point of a billion dollars going, so do we need TerraSet? Do we need to be doing more? We need so many billion dollars ultimately going to to this space, and, and you know you can do the calculations in different ways with, with different numbers. Whether we're trying to do five gigatons or ten gigatons, and whether we're optimistically thinking we got the price down to a hundred dollars per ton, which it isn't there, but we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars that will need to be at work removing carbon dioxide, removing greenhouse gases, and and that's a a scary number. It's a huge number. It's a number that is achievable. And and we could do global economies and we could do comparisons to, to particular things. But actually, to your point on Frontier's billion dollars and to Alex's point on the percent of philanthropic funding going to this space, there's a billion dollars a day given to charitable causes just in the USA. So Frontier is a huge sizable commitment from those companies. And I hope more companies do it, whether via Frontier or, or us or in their own way. But it's still equivalent to one day of philanthropic giving from the USA. And so I just think that the market that can be accessed you know, through this route, through this vehicle, is going to be critically important in bringing as much money as possible to scale tackling this problem. Yeah, Adam, the, the way you phrase it, and I, I see Alex is coming on, the way you phrase it makes me think of Alex's two favorite words, which I think are yes and, but go ahead, Alex. What would you add? I love what Frontier is doing. There's no question I think they're the most visible public voice for the need to support this early industry and help it grow and be a, a large source of unwavering demand before it achieves mass 
cost competitive scale. So I'm a huge fan of what they're doing. I do not think all of humanity should just assume that a handful of companies will continue to do that. I also think the scale of philanthropy is so much larger, as Adam mentioned. I also, I just feel worried about this problem. The world in which we accidentally did Terraset, we didn't need to, and then we oversolved the climate problem faster than we thought. And with the benefit of hindsight, we could have spent a little more time on vacation. That's just not a world I worry about. If that happens and we oversolve this more quickly, we're all happy to move on to other things. I don't think we should be worried that we might be oversolving climate too quickly and it's going to totally be fine. The cost of being wrong in the other direction is catastrophic. Well, it, if uh, if listeners all could, well, since listeners can only listen to your words, Alex, they won't really appreciate that. Um, Ergy, Adam, and I are smiling or or laughing at the precision and uh, enthusiasm of your comments. Yeah, well, well said. I've got two others here at least. One is around engineered uh, carbon removal solutions versus nature based, and Again, I know that for some of you that were on the SOSV Climate Tech, you know, Summit, there was a comment about nature-based uh, solutions, which wasn't like a, you know, five-star review. Clearly a huge need. Clearly some of the, the least, you know, sort of the tech risk, lowest cost, easiest to scale, perhaps. I don't know, Adam, how do you think about uh, maybe our portfolio construction or 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 can, is there... Is there the need to have this black and white dichotomy between, wait, are you in the engineered solutions camp or are you in the nature-based solutions camp? It's been it's been fascinating for me in my uh, short time with TerraSet already to kind of see the, the green on green fire that still happens in this space. Um, and with, you know, Shortly off the back of Climate Week, what I found inspirational about Climate Week was the the number of people trying to solve this problem, the number of people looking at it in different ways, and the the way that it was starting to feel more joined up, not just about engineered versus nature-based CDR, but around biodiversity, around nature, around all the factors that need to go together in terms of us having a sustainable planet. But we do have this thing where even the, the highest profile people in the world are having this debate. You know, um, people may have seen Bill Gates saying at Climate Week he believes in engineered CDR and not in planting trees. And then Mark Benioff saying in reply, like, I, I'm pro trees and pro oceans. Like, at, at, at TerraSet, we are pro all of those things. We care about there being a planet to live on. We care about the quality of life on that planet. We believe that to get there, we need fewer greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. And we know that we need to be removing an increasing amount of, of what's already up there. But whether that happens via engineered solutions or nature-based solutions, we we don't mind. Uh, in terms of our portfolio, the, the key thing is that the things that we direct funding to have to hit our key metrics. So we want to purchase and scale removals that are additional, verifiable, ethical, validated, scalable, and long-term. And that long-term, you know, permanence, as, it, as people will phrase that as well, is where some nature-based solutions fall down. And 
there are engineered solutions as well that have a huge amount of work to do on all of those areas, but they're all part of the answer. And uh, I agree with 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 uh, the point you posed in your question. I don't think that we gain anything by putting a strict line between between these things and, and saying I'm an advocate only for engineered solutions. I'm an advocate only for nature based solutions. Like we should be taking bets and trying to bring as many solutions as possible to scale. And I think that as folks continue to see our announcements, even later this year, they'll see the diversity of, of projects that we're purchasing from continue to change more, even more so next year. Alex, maybe for you, you know, we've, we've received applications from, you know, dozens of CDR companies uh, that uh, some some are some w- you know will be receiving our, our our purchase our purchases. What advice or what messages might you send to the CDR project developers, tech companies, as they think about you know partnering with with Terraset? That's a good question. To me, so I'm laid out very clearly what the things are that we use to that what we think is very important. Projects that are additional, verifiable, long-term, ethical, scalable, and validated. So first, you do two things. One, if that's wrong or we're missing something or one is more important, we would love to learn. We are all new in climate. We would love to learn if there should be something else because anyone probably running a company during CDR is more of an expert in many, some or many aspects of CDR than we are. So we'd love to know that. Um, two, think about your project initiative. Where are you? How do you do against those projects? And then, you know, please apply to us. We are, we're currently, we have more good projects than we have the ability to fund today. So we appreciate everybody's patience, but be in touch. And we hope to, we need this whole ecosystem to exist. And that requires investing across different technologies, different locations, different methodology. So we want to have a massive impact. And part of that is purchasing from a lot of different projects. Great. Well, listen, let's call it here for now, gang. And uh, is there a, if there's a final word, I guess, Adam, you, you now wear the CEO hat. So I, I guess we, we go to you before we, we wrap. Should I ask you how it's been? <laughs> live here? Yeah. How it's been live here or how it's been with Terrasat? Um, both, yeah. both, have, both have been great. You know, I think what's really exciting, we talked a, we talked a lot here about some of the challenges, some of the issues people raised. We talked a lot about the problem. I feel incredibly energized by the role that, that we're playing, and it's 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 just part of a much bigger picture, but the role that we're playing in finding solutions. And this faith I have that there are solutions to be found and and, and that there's an impact. So you know, I as a final final point, a final word, I would encourage people to to stay optimistic. You know, a lot of the people who you talk to on this podcast, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are, are charting kind of lonely courses in some way. They're out there pushing new solutions, new technology, new ideas, and that can be lonely and people can feel like they they don't know how they can contribute towards this. You know, we are a vehicle for people to be able to contribute and we're a vehicle that hopefully adds to people's optimism. Yeah, in other words, if if you're feeling pessimistic, get to work, right? Lots of solutions to work on. We're just one of just one of many. All right, game, we'll we'll call it here. Good times. Talk soon.
Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. And if you want more intel on climate tech, better habits, and deep work, then join the thousands of others who subscribe to our Substack newsletter at entrepreneursforimpact.com or drop me a note on LinkedIn. All right, that's all, y'all. Take care.